Welcome to episode 31 of Cake Watch, the podcast about Brexit with um, Brussels insiders, me and Steve. Um, I'm Chris Kendall. I'm a Eurocrat ordinaire by day, but by night I'm a fighter against Brexit. <laughs> the two are completely unrelated <laughs> and I'm here in a strictly personal capacity. Um, and with me... From his sick bed, <laughs> uh, I'm Steve Bullock. Uh, I used to be a negotiator for the UK in the EU, and uh, well, that's it, really. <laughs> and yeah, I've been sick for a few weeks. Uh, sorry to all those who I'm, I'm sure there are thousands, thousands of adoring fans. Um, I've been literally underwhelmed by <laughs> by the well wishes. That's not true. I did get a few nice messages actually. Oh, Steve, um, we missed you. <laughs> Well, you've you. been, well, you've been doing very well in my absence. You've had some very, very good people on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, some, I mean, much, much, much better than me, actually. No, <laughs> it's quite annoying. But no, for well, well done, well done in my absence to uh, to Steve Analyst and uh, and Garvan as well. Yeah, I even managed to edit the flipping things on my own. I know, very, very. I was very <laughs> impressed. <laughs> We can show, we, we can split we can split that from now on. That's great. Now I know you can do it. <laughs> You're going to finally let me get my hands on the audio files. Yeah, on the source <laughs> the source the source material. Yeah. So but it's yeah. lovely to be it's lovely to be back and and potentially an auspicious day to be back because well, it seems it's like a, some kind of red letter day. It seems to be that we have a deal. Habemus Fudjam, as somebody put it on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> 500 pages, I heard. Yeah, 400, 500 pages, yeah, which doesn't surprise me at all. But um, but the political declaration on the, is on the future relationship is only five the pages. Back of a coaster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> back of an uh, Kitty O'Shea's menu. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll come to that. We'll come to uh, that. We should do some um, follow-up. Yes, we've got some follow-up. Yeah, so... Yeah, so it, the the conversation with Garvin last week um, sparked a certain amount of interest and controversy. I think it's fair to say, which I'm I'm not surprised by. I mean, it was we we thought it would um, that we left it with a rather bleak with a rather bleak take, which was that um, what you're telling me is that, that you got a Tory on, and he said, <laughs> "Yeah, he said, it's we better if we leave." <laughs> And I was like, Brilliant. Oh, on right. Andy Breakfast Podcast. That's fucking great, mate. Well done. <laughs> I'm away for a couple of weeks <laughs> and we turn into the Brexit Central cast. <laughs> no, no, hang on. No, 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 no. That's not what happened. That's not what happened. No. I mean, Garvin made some, um, I thought, very, very well argued point. I mean, he's pretty good. <laughs> he's, he's quite good. smart, he's isn't quite, he? He's, he's, he's really quite smart. Yeah, he made some very good points, I thought. And some of them I felt were very strong and others i wasn't quite so sure about um um but i thought we would just come back because we had some feedback um and i just wanted to get your take a little bit and and have a further discussion just so that we wouldn't completely lose all our listeners and cheese everybody (laughs) off um so so garvin's argument 
sort of fell into two parts. One was that um, if the UK ended up remaining after all, that might be a bad thing for the EU. Uh, and he explained why he thought that might be, mainly because the UK would continue to be a disruptive force, uh, a centrifugal force, and gather other disruptive forces around it and really create difficulties for the EU in terms of mapping a, a forward um, direction. But, I mean, but that, there's an assumption there that before 2015... The UK was a disruptive force, was it? A, in, in, it was, in normal, wasn't. In normal, in normal business, it wasn't particularly. Well, this was this was this is what this was then an interesting debate between Steve Analyst, the guest of the previous week, and Garvin. They ended up having a bit of a kind of Twitter argument about it, um, which I thought was great fun. Yeah, uh, where Steve, who um, has mentioned that he to come back on and <laughs> make his point, and I've said he should once he's listened to our we'll get them both back on. Yeah. We'll get them both back on. Controversy is great yeah. for ratings, dude. Yeah. Um, so St- Steve was arguing, well, like, hang on a second, the UK wasn't that disruptive. The UK was only doing what it was perfectly allowed to do within the rules uh, and, and had helped to shape those rules. And um, you can't blame the UK for opting out of Schengen and opting out of this and opting out of that when the rules allowed it to. Yeah. To which my response is... And others do as well, of course. Yeah, and others do as well, of course. To which my response is, well, one of the reasons the rules allow the UK to do that is that the rules were written knowing that the UK would ask for that. <laughs> so it's a kind of circular <laughs> thing. And, I mean, it seems to me that the, the, the developments of the last... Some recent developments look at look at... Merkel today in the European Parliament and Macron at the weekend and, and talking about an EU army and uh, also look at the, the look at the proposal um, in Juncker's State of the Union this year um, for extending qualifi- qualified majority voting into certain areas of mm, foreign yeah. security policy. I mean, things which I personally think are great, fantastic. Um, Arguable that you wouldn't have seen those proposals coming forward without Brexit. Well, yeah, but that, that, but there's an there's an assumption that those proposals are good. Yes, in that you know, there's an yes, assumption. there is. <laughs> yeah. Steve, no, but that, no, but that's no, but that's that. But that that kind of that kind of proves proves the point bit that <laughs> um, you might think that these proposals are good, but they're not. They're not inevitable. There's not a uh, there's not a sort of manifest destiny that the the. the these things that these things have to happen. You can't describe it as manifest a, destiny. Come on, hang on a minute. That's not fair. No, you're no, but the point is, you, okay, you're 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 a you're a federalist, and um, and and you agree that 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 further integration, further QMV, further move to QMV, and so on and so forth are a, are a, you know a, a in positive those areas thing. where yeah. the EU is better off acting collectively. So it seems so my argument. But, there, but there's absolutely, but there's a but there's a discussion to be had there. It's not you can't just take you can't just take it as you can't just take it as read that that's definitely that's definitely the right thing to do. There's a discussion no, it needs is, to be had there. Yeah, sure. Well, we can have the discussion, and then then I'm right. <laughs> well, you, you should all. 
Somebody once, once asked me, once, somebody once said to me, you're very sure that you're right, aren't you? And I was like, well, what other basis can you possibly yeah, proceed go, from? Yeah, I can't, I you can proceed <laughs> from the basis that I assume that I'm wrong. I mean, I accept that I but might I, I, be wrong, I, but I'm not going to uh, proceed on the basis no, that I'm, I'm wrong. To no, my point is that, but my point is that people have to, that people and, and member states have different visions of, uh, of, of the of the future future of Europe, there's a, there's a sort of assumption. I think, <clears throat> to some extent, it's falling into a sort of British media trap to see it as there only being one that that you know that everybody in Europe wants further integration, wants further. No, no, no. It's just, it's, 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 that's that's simply not the case. It's something well, needs to be discussed with members. We need Denmark, this- for example. Denmark, for example, clearly doesn't. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. But okay. Let, 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 let's dial it back. Um, what we're talking about is um, intergovernmentalism versus a more community approach. And yeah. my argument, and this is me, the federalist, is not that we should be building a European superstate or that we should be integrating everything. Um, my argument is that where it makes sense for the EU to be doing things collectively, and I think it does make sense, for example, in foreign policy and in defence policy, then you should build those mechanisms so that they function effectively. And that means things oh, like QMV. Well, no, what you no, shouldn't have not. is more intergovernmentalism where it's really just sort of nation-state squabbling and you only move forward if all of you move forward together and then you're sort of held back by the back markers like Hungary and so on. So that's, well, that's no, no, the I'm, point I'm no, making. No, no, no. I think, there's a, I think there's a really good... Don't get me wrong. I think there's a really good case for that. My point is that... Um, my point is that this is a this is a this is a normative thing. It's neither inevitable nor self-evident that that it has to move in that way. And some member states don't want it to move in that way. And the, the UK was one, or still is, as we speak, one. Um, and that you know the 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 uh, the, the EU is to, to some extent. Uh, 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 what am I trying to say? An aggregation of what can be agreed between sure. between between sure. between member states. So all I'm saying is that there's, there's there's when when people say you know the UK is bad for Europe because it held back further integration, that's based on an assumption that further integration is 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 definitely a positive thing. Now where where I think there is a case though is the to have a having a member state that has a, a, a policy of no further, integra- further integration as a blanket policy. I mean, I think that's where there's a... Uh, hmm. that's, where, that's where there's, there's and, potentially and, and a good the argument. Debate got more, the, the debate, debate got slightly more complex where, um, on the one hand, you're saying, well, so in some areas, the UK says, you know, well, you know, you go ahead, but we're not coming with you. In which case, yeah. well, all right then, okay. So we have a kind of variable geometry. Okay, that's 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 where we are. But, but then again, you have we're other not the cases. only ones. We have this with the, the euro, but we're, again, we're not. The UK is not the only one. No, 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 no. I know, but let, bear with me. So then the other, then the other, then the other category are those areas where the UK says, okay, well, you know what, we're not, we're not in, we're not, we're not in into this. We, we're, we're not interested in this. And what's more, we're going to block you doing it. Which um, in on on the on the foreign policy and security side that that was more the case where they were like well we're not up for this and we don't want you to be up for this either and we're, we're therefore going to play spoiler um and well it's not very communitaire to want to go ahead with only some member states either is it so 
you know, just I'm playing devil's advocate. No, no, here. I know you are. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of a polite way to push back. At <laughs> it's not. It's not very communi- It's not very communitaire to say uh, we want a foreign policy with our, with our collective badge on it, even if and you know, even if you don't well, want it. If, if somebody somebody who is um, uh, community minded, somebody who's a, is a federalist, let's let's use the word. Um, we, we lost the argument against ge- uh, variable geometry some time ago, um, but um, a purist would be like, "Well, look, we, we all need to progress together, um, and we shouldn't have people holding us back. Um, we should all move forward because the principle here is correct, and it's the nation-state tier of government protecting and defensive of its prerogatives, right or wrongly." that is the problem here um and that that's that's the, that's the case that i'm making the case i'm making is that um it makes sense to do certain things at the european level but if it makes sense to do it at that level then you need to do it properly and not mess about with member but state inter- but intergovernmentalism you should but be done a, by eu institutions not by member state institutions it's like it's a, you don't get you don't, like, you don't get um government um, policy made at the national level by county councils you know county councils do county <laughs> local government they don't do national government if you did them had them doing la- national government it would be a dog's breakfast but again this is a normative this is a normative subjective choice it's not a it's not just a, it's not just an objective it's not just an objective no, I mean, truth. I see it as, 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 also, as a philosophical point a, i mean if, but also in a rules-based organization i mean as someone who's defended confidence for a living before um defending confidences of council specifically um the uh you know we we talk, we've talked a lot about how the eu's rules-based organization will the, the rules as they stand I mean, member states that want to do that, they would say are defending the rules as they stand. I mean, we, yes, we can dis- yes, we can discuss changing the we can discuss yeah. changing the rules. What I'm what I'm trying to say is that <clears throat> defending the rules as they stand is not necessarily being a blocking being a blocking force. It might it might be being a blocking force on something that some member states of the EU want, but but not, <laughs> but it's not being a blocking force of something no. that you. You, the, you know the that's the, right the other member states unanimously unanimously want but when and, you requ- ha- and it requires the consent of member states because it's a treaty because it's based on treaty which but requires when you have consent. people yeah but when you have people saying the eu needs reform the eu needs reform the eu needs reform but those people are the member states to, who have created the existing rules and, and are defending those rules and <laughs> yeah. the only reform that they mean is simply clawing back rolling back uh, stuff to the nation state level that's not reform at all now, i'm i'm a i i'm an advocate for eu reform but for me eu reform means fixing those rules so that they function more effectively the the the, the machinery of european government is inefficient because it is dominated by member states but it depends on it depends on your definition of effective if in fact <laughs> it, it, <laughs> It depends entirely on your definition of effective. If you, I can't believe I'm arguing for this because I don't know. This no, is not necessarily I. what You're, I believe. You in this. clearly have not hopped up on antibiotics, Steve. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm having a, I'm having a, having a. I think I'm having a flashback to British government training on, on European. No, but the, 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 oh dear lord! But no, I, I, I absolutely, I absolutely see the, I absolutely see the argument, and I have to admit, I mean, it's something that's occurred to me. 
it's, it, I mean, it's something that everybody has to, everybody has and has to, has to ask themselves. But I, I mean, I certainly have a view that, I mean, I don't have a rose-tinted view of the UK and the, the, the UK's role in the EU, but the, the UK has been very important in the EU. Some of the things that we consider the great achievements of the EU have been driven by the, have been driven by the UK. And also, I, I, I have a sense that it created a balance and equilibrium in the EU. Um, I mean, you can see by how upset the Danes, the Swedes, and uh, the Dutch are by the were, by Brexit. Were. Well, yes, maybe, but... Um, about how how because because they were they were losing and a very large advocate for largely their largely their policies you know lots of times when the uk was seen as being isolated actually it wasn't isolated it was it was the loud mouth out of a group of <laughs> rather quiet sure, people of course, supporting, but, I mean, supporting that's also it almost that's it. almost a little bit of a cliche sometimes it wasn't sometimes no, it really was on its own and there i can think of clear examples where it was on its own and mm. um, obstructive i mean there, there had that certainly happened in those cases and it was there were times there were certainly times when it was obstructive yeah, I mean, it was I, I, on a you know, different I mean, level to, to the i mean you can't say that it was just one of a group i mean there are, were times where it clearly was an out an outlier um but at other times, at other times it was it was the, the same with the same with germany i mean we saw that with the budget yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It didn't. It didn't take a lot to convince Merkel. Um, to, but again, and there's a difference between this is we're we're, we're rehashing the argument between um, Stephen Garvin here. But there's a difference between there's a difference of quality where you've got a member state that generally has played a constructive role and um, shown solidarity and been a good community member, um, where it has those moments they are tolerated and understood and and, and it's yeah, just part no, of the course I mean, but where you've got a country that actually has systematically over time been awkward and obstructive um i mean oh, yeah, maybe I mean, i'm had, exaggerating I, but no but i i do to the point i mean i had a spanish fr- a very very good spanish friend in the in the commission who was an, an, an absolute absolute anglophile um mm. uh culturally I mean, it has to be said. Um, but she got very, very annoyed that, you know, people would roll over for the UK. Mm. <laughs> you would say, look, you're just one member state. Yeah. If Spain if Spain went on like this, we'd be told yeah. to piss off, you know? Yeah. Um, you don't realise how, how indulged you are. So, I mean, that, that does bear out what you're talking about. But you about. know what, in any case, you know, I had an interesting conversation today with, some, with, with a colleague and we, we reached the conclusion that, uh, it's it's over. It's over. I mean, whether the UK, even if the UK were to remain at this point, I think there has been a change as a result of Brexit, a lasting and irreversible change in the UK's brand. I don't think that the UK is ever going to be seen the same way again. I, I just no, don't. I don't think it'll be seen. I don't think it'll be seen the same way. But I think it has a, a chance to. A ch- I, I think remaining is a chance to rehabilitate itself to mm. some extent here, it'll, or at least it won't, begin it won't the be process the same. of it. It would never be the same. It would no, be it something be else. Would, it might, no, it might not always be, be negative, but it won't be the same. It won't be that. No, we, kind no, of no, of course, but competent, um, well-run, smooth-functioning. No, no, absolutely, that's good gone. governance. That's I mean, completely that's gone. gone. No, that's, that's completely gone. gone. No, that that is completely gone. But we've always we've always said on this that you know the the, the status quo is gone. You know, mm. the, the, there's there's no. Uh, there's no return 
there's no return yeah. to the status quo. No, that's, that's, sure. that's just one element. Well, that, but, they are po- but they are positive. But they are positive things that that this UK would potentially bring back. I mean, it would bring back the largest pro EU movement in the U- in yes. the EU. It would bring back a population that is uh, considerably more knowledgeable yes. about the EU and the importance of the EU. Yes. At least and some of it, about 49% of it. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, 50, 53 yeah. or so now. Yeah. Um, um, and, you know, and, and that, that's potentially positive. And any government coming in, having been through this, would surely be looking to take, uh, to take a constructive approach, you know? And, and yes, potentially. I wonder how long that would last, but yes. But look, that brings us to the second of Garvin's... <laughs> Gone off on a massive tangent already just during our follow-up. But that brings us then to the the second half of Garvin's point, which is that, okay, it would be a bad thing for the EU if the UK were to remain. And we've had a long discussion about whether that's true or not. But he says it would also actually be a bad thing for the UK if if it were to remain. Because the way he put it, um, you get a choice. Either you get Brexit or you get Brexitism. And the only way to defeat Brexitism is to Brexit. Yeah, now, with all due respect to Garvin, that's bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> I was it's, not going to put it like that, but I was going to say I, I don't think I don't think I agreed with him during the podcast. And the further of the, the, the further from that podcast I get, and the more I think about it, the less I agree with it. No, I think I think the absolute opposite. I think the the, the diametric opposite to that. Okay, cancelling Brexit, getting out of Brexit is not going is not going to solve. Solve all of the UK's problems. Carrying on with, but it it potentially gives the opportunity for those problems to be addressed. Yeah. Continuing with it does the opposite. And I did a long thread on this a while ago, which I think I retweeted fairly recently. That continuing says to everyone, "This is how you win. You win by lies, by deceit, by winning at all, stamping on faces to win, winning winning at all cost." And what winning means is that the other people are all fucking losers mm. and the winner can do whatever he wants to those, lo- to those losers because they're mm. losers and they deserve to lose because they're losers. Mm-hmm. And that's what it tells everybody. Mm-hmm. It tells everybody that um, majoritarianism is, you know, 50, 50% plus one means that 50% minus one can, can have their rights stripped they can be completely ignored. They can be taken out of taken out of politics and out of civil discourse. And this gives a chance to 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 this gives a, ch- a chance to stop that and say, no, that's not how it fucking works. We're a deliberative, representative democracy. We're not we're not yeah. run by fucking mob rule. It's um, if you win if you win by the if you break the law to win, um, there's uh, there's recourse. It can't just be flouted, and we're seeing this now with uh, with Aaron, with with banks and uh, mm. the other revelations that are that are coming out that this was unbelievably shonky yeah. and shoddy and and dodgy. Otherwise, fucking give up. You're handing the keys to you're handing the keys to these people. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. metaphorically, in terms of telling society that this is what happens and this this is the reality now. This is how it works, lads. Mm. Don't 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 think about truth or proving things or evidence or any of that shite. That's all fucking gone. Mm. Um, 
the currency is utterly currency of discourse is utterly fucking debased and it's never coming back that's what it says now that might still happen of course there might not be a renewal there might not be a bounce back from this however i think what we've got is we've got like i said an incredible incredibly large pro-european but also pro-truth pro-civil discourse pro-evidence-based policy making group of people who are now involved in politics who weren't so i think there's a chance to renew it if we continue along this path it's gone it's done we're looking at 10 years of 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 erg trumpianism no no i I, was a bit of a rant sorry garvin no it's good rant it's good rant and um i think i think you're right i think that um i think i think i'm not ready to concede defeat to to that to that bunch of tosses I, i think that um what we're seeing and we're really it's really building ahead of steam now as we get close to the crunch point and things the the, the awful the awfulness of it all becomes yeah. more and more apparent you're seeing and, um just a huge um upswing in uh you're finally getting these politicians who are stepping forward and saying okay you know what no this is this is this we can't this do is we, no good. we can't in good and, conscience do this and, and 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 you're seeing it also from business leaders and you're seeing it from you know all all parts of society um and i think that that gives me hope actually that gives me yeah, a lot absolutely. of hope when i look at that and i say well you know what our country in many ways has has a, has a, a, a an electoral system and a political system that is totally um out out of date um it is in decay but that doesn't mean that we as a population and as a society are in decay um, we yeah. have become Although very we polarized. Have to go down we have re- no, we don't exactly. And I, I, I am very encouraged, honestly, by the numbers of people that I see um, speaking very articulately and passionately about this. I mean, I, I don't think anybody's just there aren't you know, people aren't rolling over and letting this go. And I mean, God knows it. You know, we're, we, it's a massive fight because we clearly um, are not a comfortable majority if we're no. a majority at all. So there's a big fight on our hands. And the system is, 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 is I hate to sound like one of those conspiracy theorists, but the system in the UK is very much um, biased against us. I mean, it, 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 is, it isn't fit for purpose. But, it, but, it's, be, but it, it's slightly beyond that, really, <clears throat> in that the system itself has been, has been moved to be against us as well. I mean, um, I was talking about, you know, the, the dreadful effect on civil discourse, the dreadful effect of, of, of mm-hmm. saying that these people are these people are right and this is how you win. But it's beyond that. I mean, <clears throat> as we've talked about before, you know, devolved governments completely, completely ignored. I mean, go, actually going to co- the government going to court so that it can ignore the views of the Scottish Parliament. Had, and um, so that it can hide the legal advice that it gets. And, absolutely. Or, you know, all of these... And yeah. um, constitutional conventions just completely thrown on the bus. Mm. The government openly trying to bypass Parliament, openly, yeah. openly trying to circumvent it. I mean, we have a we 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 have a, a, a constitution now that's you know not fit for purpose. And because of the way our constitution works, once something's happened, the 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 precedent is there. You know, once a convention ceases to be abided by, it's not coming back. Mm. Um, and this is what we're, this is also what we're handing over. We're handing over a rigged a rigged system to the bastards as well. Yeah. So exactly. So so it, I, I'm I'm hopeful um, on the one hand when I see the um, way in which people are 
standing up to this and responding to this. But on the other hand, it makes me even more determined. We have to remain for this. It, it, It is going to be so much easier. I mean, I don't think it's going to be easy at all, but it's going to be easier to fight this from within the EU than it is from outside. Yeah, absolutely, um, absolutely. So yeah, so I so, think yeah, I, and it's not going to it's not going to fix it, but it but it gives an opportunity to fix it, which will not be there otherwise. Well, it gives us, the yeah, it gives the us opposite, a context. If it goes ahead, it embeds everything that's happened. It embeds everything that's happened as the new normal, mm. and they should not be the new fucking normal by any means. No, no. Absolutely. So. so Speaking of bypassing Parliament, there seems to be a withdrawal agreement. Well, there, it's not a withdrawal agreement until both sides have agreed. So there is the... Well, we've talked about this many times, haven't we, about how <laughs> agreements work. So we've got the initial agreement. Now we need to get the... Well, so it's, it appears to be agreed and negotiated level. Yeah, it needs, yeah, chief negotiators have signed off. So now so they, these need, are officials, to, now they need to... officials, yeah, so they need Yeah, so they, now they need to take it back and sell it off to their... And, and get it and, sold and to is their this respective... Confi- and is this confirmed? We're talking at 10 past 11... On Tuesday. Yeah, by the time you listen to this, because <laughs> we're not confi- even going to get this out until sometime tomorrow evening. But is it definitely confirmed? Because, because RTE Hopefully have tweeted that. Both, that it's, both that it is confirmed and that it's not. Because Simon Convany, uh, the Irish Deputy Prime Minister, yeah. said, said that it wasn't and they wouldn't be commenting on any leaks. Yeah, well, I thought, um, like, you know, and then people started reading into that all sorts of things. Like, I saw a couple of comments on Twitter saying, "Ooh, um, the uh, the Irish foreign minister has said this." Or does that mean that he's unhappy? Does that mean that the Irish have been sold down the river by the EU? I mean, like, why? Yeah, what is, slow down. Why'd you next in? Come on. <laughs> I, think, I think I think it would be a good idea to read the text before yeah, commenting geez, on it. To be honest, uh, you know, again, Occam's Razor says. He's right. It isn't a final deal yet because it's still got to get past the British fucking cabinet for starters, which is, it seems highly unlikely. Well, who does it need? Who, need, who, do, who needs to agree? We need um, Jennifer Rankin did a really good mm. uh, tweet the other uh, yesterday, I think, yeah. on on the stages that it needs to go through yes. in Brussels, which I think most people aren't aware of. Yeah, no, no. It's, you know, it, it, so it's got to go through co-repair. It's got to go through working the E twenty seven working groups, co-repair, and then the E twenty seven general affairs council, and then you, you know. Uh, and you're also going to need to get it through the European Parliament. Well, well, hang on. Well, so it need it needs to go through GAC to be agreed at the 27 level General mm-hmm. Affairs Council, but then it doesn't need to go to a summit until there's agreement from the UK as well. Yes, right? and a UK government. And then, um, but at what point does the European so Parliament at that point, come in? At that, well, at that point, once it's so, so you're on, you've got that process. Just stop that process there on on the EU side. On the UK side, it needs to be agreed. By Parliament. Uh, so first by, well, by Cabinet, no, no, and but then first by Parliament. It, it needs to be agreed by Cabinet. If it's agreed by Cabinet, it's government policy, and then it can be agreed at a summit. Then it can be agreed by E27 and the British government. And then it needs to go to Parliament. So the two par- the, then it needs to go for the council. two Parliament. Yeah, and then it needs to go to the two Parliament for ratification. I see. Yeah, so, so that's the sequence. Steve, tell me. See, I. I I can't work. How is it possible for the cabinet to reject it? I mean, if they can, well, they can send may they can say may have to keep negotiating. Well, who who is they? I mean, if you have 
how many cabinet members does it take to force her to go back and say, well, I can't, I can't get this past cabinet. It's how her many cabinet. Resigna- can't she just sack them? Or, or can't however, many resigna- however many resignations bring down a government. Yeah, but so exactly. And eventually well, you she'll go. run out of exactly. ministers. Yeah. Eventually. Well, no, no, well, you could. I mean, you could just face it. De- and she's done it before. She has done it before. You, you can just face, it, face them down. Exactly. And say, fucking resign then. I'll, get, yeah. I'll replace you. Yeah. Eventually, though, she will run out of replacements. Remember, out of her, how many she got? 270 or whatever? Um, I mean, she's got the, uh, the 40 we know are in the ERG and the, the 40 others who are in the ENG, ERG and pretend they aren't. They have about 80, I think. So they're down 200 there. You've got, what, 30-odd... Hang on, including junior ministers. How many How many ministers are there, including junior ministers? Well, there must be 30, 35. Oh, she could find it. She could find it. Oh, no, she she's potentially can't. running... Start potentially appointing lords. Be asking Ken, she'll be asking Ken... Yeah, she could start appointing lords. That's very true. But there or, is this, or, or Lib Dems. <laughs> but I think this is... <laughs> I'm not sure they would say yes, but I think... I think there's this thing that in the old days, obviously, if you lost, say, four cabinet ministers, yeah. um, they would be the potential for the government to fall. But as we've talked about before, they'll just get, they'll just plow on. Yeah, they'll I mean, just the keep, thing is, with, this, there are no rules here. It's not set down in stone no. that, you know, if, if four cabinet members shall resign, there shall be uh, a vote of no confidence. No. No, no, it's I mean, nothing to do with it, that. It's completely in her. Um, in her own, um, God, it looks at how, how, how un- in- inarticulate we're being. We're both sitting here yawning and staggering. Um, <laughs> I thought I was doing quite well, considering I'm not well. I'm like, I'm feeling like, oh my God, <laughs> bring me Red Bull. But, there, um, I mean, but, there, but there's the danger, I mean, there is the danger that they just bring her down. I mean, there are enough uh, letters, you know, there, there, there can be enough oh, letters mean, at the 1922 the committee. Launch yeah. a leadership challenge. Yeah, um, yeah, I mean, so... But then even if they launch that, Will they win? Well, that's the thing. I mean, because they need to have. Even if they triggered a contest, that doesn't mean that she would lose the contest. What we're seeing, though, I mean, she might just she might just face them down and say, "Fucking resign if you want. Get a leadership contest if you want." The what we're seeing, though, is what we've talked about all right from the very beginning. I think we talked about this in the first couple of podcasts we did. Is that there's been no attempt to manage expectations whatsoever. Mm. And this is what we're seeing coming home to roost. Yeah. I mean, it was inevitable that there would be something uh, that the UK could not get, un- could not unilaterally get out of yeah. as a, as a backstop for Northern, for, for Northern Ireland. This was absolutely inevitable. Everybody knew this from the yeah. very beginning. It's impossible in my view the the prime minister and the cabinet didn't didn't know that didn't know this in December and and in March they did but they hoped something would come along to to sort it out I think um, <laughs> what because yeah. because it's been about getting through today it's been about yeah, still yeah. being in power still being about in power in power tomorrow and this is what you get for not for for not managing expectation we said right from the beginning you know if 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 we'd had a government that had uh, taken a different stance from the start and said, "This is impo- you know the the what 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 you seem to want is in- inherently contradictory. We can't possibly get that." But they took a cakeist attitude, and this is this is a coming home to to roost. And people yeah. are shocked shocked that the UK would be locked into something whatever. I mean, it would well, probably be some customs union kind of thing, well, which doesn't not, even though, solve it they? anyway. I mean, the customs union doesn't solve it anyway. No, You've no. still got to do goods checks somewhere. But there we go. No. 
and and so so yeah i mean there's the cabinet first um and but may may does there aren't any rules about this but may does need to go back and say this is official government policy and if cabinet is an open warfare about it it's very hard to say that and they have to say you know they have to be able to say to the EU, this it is UK government policy that we that we support this. And le- the government's le- not ju- the government is not just May. We do have <sighs> some semblance of cabinet government left. Well, do we? I mean, yes. And if we do, uh, who, who, who's calling the shots? Who, who's, we don't have a constitution. We don't have. It's not written down somewhere that we can no, sort of I mean, look at a the, book and work it out. I mean, no. But I mean, from the EU twenty seven perspective. Um, you know they have to to have the to have a summit and agree this with the UK at the summit. They have to have some some sort of confidence that, that it can be that it can be delivered. Surely. So that was my next question. So um, the summit are they still in time? If they were to agree this tomorrow, if the cabinet were to agree this tomorrow, would they still be in time so that we would have a summit at the end of November? I think so. I think the deadline people were talking about was Wednesday or Thursday this week. And we know that the deadlines aren't absolutely final, so I mean that can be extended to Monday. So, um, so I, I think it's it's still possible. So however, summit- however, I mean I, I think this is where it's important. I think if it, if it isn't clear that there's cabinet unity on it, EU twenty seven will prefer to have it in December, okay. uh, the, uh, the, Dece- uh, the December summit instead, so that they so that there can be time for 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 may to it to to explain it and begin to sell it and they can take a judgment as to whether this is actually a go or not but in terms of um staging so so sequencing rather so the 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 summit then is for the european council that is to say the heads of state and government of the european union member states yeah to effectively give this the rubber stand give this a green light before yep. it then goes to the legislatures for ratification so yeah, it then absolutely. goes to the british parliament and to the european parliament yes yeah after the, so that seems a bit odd to me that's institutionally a bit odd when you've got the surely the eu institutions should and the national institutions should sign it off before it then goes to the international summit at the level above the eu institutions no, no. I mean, um, the the sequencing of Article Fifty from the EU side is um, is, fa- is yeah. fairly clear. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and yeah, this is the way you this is the way you do you you agree between the two negotiating parties, which is the EU collectively and the the EU twenty seven and the British government. You agree between the go- negotiating parties, and then it goes for ratification. I mean, that's that's fairly normal with with treaties now. Yeah, but, um, it's, um, it's yeah. just in this case, the 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 EP is ratifying. Mm. Well, uh, and so then, then, then the question is: What happens if um, the European Parliament doesn't ratify? Is there is there any likelihood that they may reject it? We heard from we heard from them, didn't we? We heard them say, "Well, there were four MEPs who, okay, they're not representative, um, though they are representative of." of, of well, we know that the we know that the UK, but we know that we know that well, we know that the Brexit steering group in the Parliament is, still isn't happy with the citizens' yeah. rights yeah, part exactly. of it. Um, 
it's hard, it's very hard to say what will happen. I mean, I think they'll do they'll do a report on it to Parliament, and you can imagine them you can imagine them trying to reopen that part of it, um, essentially sort of sending the commission back to do better on citizens' rights. Um, but if the commission, if, if, if the European Parliament, it's hard to see the, the Parliament back. actually voting against it in the final round, though. But we've been saying all along that it is completely unrealistic for the Labour Party to think that the UK Parliament can send the government back to to renegotiate part of the withdrawal agreement. But are, but are we then saying, on the other hand, the European Parliament can send the Commission back to renegotiate? It can try. I mean, it can try. Sure. I don't think it, it. It's not laid out in its formal role, though. I mean, its yeah. formal role is to is to vote on it. Yeah, exactly. It's with, it's with the agreement of the of, so of the Parliament. Then, so then it would be there. It wouldn't be anything against the UK Parliament, the Westminster Parliament, sending the government back to try. Well, to it, but it would require it would require EU twenty seven to agree to it, and yeah. I don't think they would. Of Why course, would they can. Yeah. They, of course, they can try to, but you know. <laughs> It's one thing to say that citizens' rights, the citizens, the citizens' rights, which are reciprocal, um, aren't good enough for either set of set of citizens. Mm. It's another thing to say we don't think we've got enough. We don't think we've got enough mm. advantage for us out of it. We want you to go back and get more. If the EU twenty seven are content with the agreement, they're not going to reopen it because the British would pre- prefer more cake. Mm. You know, <laughs> I mean, why? Why would you? Mm-hmm. If they've agreed it between, if they've agreed it between themselves, what um, Simon Stylite, mm-hmm. our friend on Twitter, always points out that he that, and I think I saw Charles Grant agreeing with him yesterday that there might be scope for the uh, sort of small small <coughs> amendments to the uh, to the political declaration. Mm. I mean, that might be something that can be amended. However, <laughs> well, however, three small things. The whole thing so small. Twenty five pages. <laughs> <laughs> If you insert a paragraph, it'll you know it yeah. can increase, increase the length of it by five percent. Damn it, we've gone over the gone over the page. We're on to six pages. <laughs> it's, like, well, it's, like an, it's like an essay where they only allowed two thousand yeah. words for it. You know, <laughs> what um, we call it succinct. The succinct briefing template. Yeah. <laughs> so you can imagine. Yeah, I mean, you can imagine going back and saying, "Okay, well, the bit where it says we'll work towards an FTA, we want that changed to we'll work. We want to work towards an EEA." EA type agreement. You can imagine that sort of. You can imagine that sort of thing happening. And I don't know. I guess the. Um, I guess E twenty seven would be would be open to it, but they wouldn't be open to a negotiation on it. No. That's. I think that's the point. Well, it's you know? a political declaration. Yeah. 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 Which is you know which is which is which is pretty different. Yeah. So okay, you want to replace FTA with EA like agreement. Yeah. Yeah. We're not going to fucking negotiate over it. You know, it'll be EA like you know. You know, we're not, we're not going to negotiate over what caveats we put in that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so no, you can imagine that. But the uh, but the rest. I mean, having having hacked it out, when do when do you have the negotiations? Do you have them in February and then start this process again? Well, you can't because it takes more than a month to ratify yeah. it. So, yeah. um, <laughs> lots of. And questions. then why would you why would you why would you extend to accommodate the wishes of a negotiating partner that you'd already agreed something with? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you can imagine if this had been conduct- all conducted differently mm. um, and been done in good faith, this agreement could have been could have been there six months ago, exactly. relatively easily, wow. and then there might have been time for that sort of that sort of thing. But there, there obviously isn't now, is there? So, 
So where does it go in So the real question is where it goes in Parliament. Okay, mm. one scenario is that the government somehow falls. Although I, I don't really believe in governments falling anymore. I don't believe in constitutional. <laughs> I don't believe in constitutional crises. I think we've been in one for two years and it hasn't yeah. made a hair of a difference. Yeah. So um, okay, maybe the government falls, but uh, they'll they'll just plow on as ever. Hard to see how it falls. How does it That's fall? I mean, where, it's just hard to see how it falls. I mean, it, will there be a vote? Will I mean, you can use the fixed term Parliament's Act. There can be a vote of no confidence. Um, well, there have to be two votes of no confidence, actually, under it. There has to be one, another one within two weeks to confirm it. But, I mean, my thought on this has always been that Tory rebels, Tory rebels may vote against a withdrawal agreement. They may vote for an amendment requiring a referendum. It's hard to see Tory rebels bringing down, bringing down the government. I find that quite difficult to, to believe. I mean, causing a general election. I find that... So this stuff about going for an election, how are you going to get an how how are you going to get an election? Yeah. Because you're going to need a significant number of Tories to, to vote for, to vote for there to be an election. So yeah, but presumably I, I, that's I Corbyn's game. That. I mean, that's that's presumably the the game that Corbyn is playing is he's trying to engineer uh, um, a situation where an election is called. I don't. I just can't see party loyalty being yeah. put aside to such an extent. That exactly. Con- the, conser- the conservatives calls there to be a Labour government. Yeah. Exactly. Um, whereas I can whereas I can see, and we're seeing, and after Joe Johnson, there are, apparently there are more potential uh, ministers to come out on this, and more MPs to come out on this from the conservative side, in favour in favour of a, of a referendum, a, a people's vote. Um, <clears throat> And that's you know that's got to be that's got to be the route. But you can't assume that they would vote for a general election. I just don't believe that. Mm. I don't. No, I unless of course they believe that they'd win. I mean that's the thing. The <laughs> is it completely beyond the realms of possibility that the nutters that actually the 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 moderates take over the Tory party, agree to a general agree to a general election, and then have a manifesto including a, a people's vote. Or I mean that would completely outflank Labour. Or if they did that. Yeah, or um, again, you, you're going to have to educate me on the UK constitution here. But if if you have um, a vote of no confidence and the government falls, does that oblige the the outgoing government to call an election, or can somebody else form a government without an election? Oh, that's an interesting question. I don't know the answer to that. I would, because, assu- I would assume it would, it would actually, because, because that's the way governments are formed. Right. So, 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 so what, you know, what if the Speaker or the Queen or whoever <laughs> is responsible here thinks or is advised that, you know what, there is, it is possible to form a government here. We could form a government of national unity, bringing together all the, all the sane people across the parties or, you know, or another party configuration could form or who knows what could happen. But that you might you might get within the existing parliament, you might find, you, people people always say, well, there's a majority within the within this parliament for say an EEA solution or for a soft Brexit or for a second referendum or something. Well, what's to stop that majority forming a government under some kind of new leadership? Well, I mean, it would require the front be- it would require the front bench of the major opposition party, I think. And would it? Well. If no, it didn't, I, mean, I know I'm, I'm, no, if, I'm being if, extremely no, 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 but if it, but if it didn't, you, you could well not have the numbers, and if it did, 
you wouldn't get Tory rebels serving uh, serving, right. serving a, a Corbyn government. No, but what about if what about if it, if it weren't a Corbyn government? What about if it were a new grouping of a by- bypass both front benches? Yeah, if it were a new grouping with new leadership um, comprising um, a government of national unity drawn from the. Again, I just don't think you'd have numbers. It's one thing to vote. It's one thing to vote for an amendment requiring people's vote, or to vote down the, uh, to vote against the withdrawal agreement. It's another thing for members of any party to essentially ditch their part, ditch their party, and ditch their party leadership. I mean, that's a step you can never go back from. So, again, I, I find it hard to see that. I mean, yeah. I, for me, the, for me, the best route is. Not to vote down the withdrawal agreement, or at least not to aim to initially, the best route is to amend it requiring a referendum for ratification. Um, ratification referendums are not unusual. <clears throat> I think if um, if no deal wasn't one of the options, then I think the EU27 would be amenable to a extension, even quite a long one, to do that. Because it would give certainty. It would take no deal off the table. It would take no deal by accident, Due to a, due to deadlocked UK off the table, and it would mean that either outcome, either either possible outcome at that point would be um, would be non chaotic. You know, the two outcomes yeah. possible. There'd be a definite outcome. It would be definitive. Yeah. It would be it would be known when it would be by, and it would be known that it wouldn't be no deal. Okay, so hypothetically, um, if the and cabinet- I think and I think sorry, just, sorry before we go on, and I think there's the question of what. EU27 would give an extension for is really an absolutely crucial yes. question here. Yes, yes. So hypothetically, <clears throat> uh, yes it is, and we, we've had that conversation and we can have it again. Hypothetically, if the Cabinet approves the w- withdrawal agreement tomorrow and if the EU27 <coughs> approve and we get to the summit and the, and the summit in, 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 in November or December... Um, gives it the green light and it goes to parliaments um, what you're saying is that options are parliament approves it in which case yep. you know, <coughs> we're, we're brexiting um, with that withdrawal agreement with, yeah, with, yeah. Um, <coughs> parliament rejects it in which case we don't know what's going to happen um, but Automatically, it would be no. I mean, the default is no deal to disorderly Brexit. Well, then exactly. Then Parliament would have to would have to try to find a way, having rejected it, mm. to um, to force the government either to to do some to do something to avoid to do something to avoid no deal, or the government would have to come with yeah. proposals to avoid no deal. Or then, I'm so not sure it would do that actually. So okay. Or the government can take or it. The, or the government can leave it. Hang on. Or the government can leave it a while and bring it back. Of course. Um, you know, as the bums get squeakier, the government can uh, can can bring it back and say, "Look, it's no deal in a fucking month unless you approve this." Yeah. Which but I think might be their plan. Okay, I'll come back to that because because um, yeah. my head was somewhere else. So my head my head was sort of going option three of those three yeah. options. So a pass b. Reject C, pass with amendments. Yeah, and that's what you're talking about. That's where you're saying, well, this is where you come in with an amendment for, a, one for a referendum. And there's yeah. one prepared. There's one prepared and ready. 
Uh, the gov- now, the government's been trying to uh, avoid the motion being amendable. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing yeah. they're trying to do. They're also trying to tuck the... Um, <laughs> They're trying to tuck the debate into 90 minutes. Can you imagine 90 minutes I mean, no, fucking hell. <laughs> Boy, <laughs> doesn't that make you angry? 90 yeah, minutes really for the fucking, fucking biggest decision the country's going to be taking since going to war with Germany. I mean, what the fuck? On a 500-page agreement. 90 minutes? Yeah. So they're trying to do that. Now, interestingly, just, <laughs> just before... fucking control. Exactly. Just before... Yeah, well, it was never taking back control for Parliament. It was always taking back control for them. I mean, wasn't it? Come on. Um... Now, interestingly, there's been um, a letter today to the government signed by uh, the leaders of the Labour Party, the S&P, Lib Dems and Plaid, saying that they won't, that they won't stand for this. Look, um, God, it's archaic and I'm trying to go remember my British politics 101 class that I used to, <laughs> that I used to teach a long time ago, <laughs> so I should remember. Um, it's fucking archaic, but there has to be... Uh, uh, Business is it a business motion, which basically is what gives the time. There has to be a motion to give over the time in Parliament for this, and this is where this is where they can try. This is where the opposition can try and ensure that it's not ninety minutes. That there's a proper that there's time for a proper debate on it. Um, and normally, normally these business motions are kind of waved, waved, you know, pretty much waved through. They're pr- proposed by the leader of the house, I think. God, we're going to get loads of stuff on how wrong I am. From- <laughs> from British politics professors here. Um, So, yeah, now, what I thought was really significant about this letter is that Corbyn had signed it. Now, um, what amendments would there be to the motion? You know, if you're going to agree agree an amended motion, what amendments can there be? The the key amendment is requiring a referendum on it. Now, um, Corbyn signed a letter saying this has to be amendable. Corbyn just said at the weekend, we don't need a second referendum. Well, maybe you don't. Maybe you don't. (laughs) But... um, well, I, so I don't that, know. <laughs> so, but op- option four is is that there's some sort of is that there's some sort of chaos. Is that you know yeah. the government the government falls and there has to be an election. Yeah. But as um, yeah, Charles Grant and um, oh, it's very good. Who's it? Raphael Hoggers pointed out. Um, you know, pretty much all of these outcomes, other than it passing, requires a requires yeah. an extension. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now the but, question but is, some then, of those extensions are foreseeable others aren't as yeah i mean i, I mean I, yeah, yeah yeah um and i think yeah i think there's really so this idea that you can have an election and then a different party can go back and renegotiate it and that they'll agree in an extension for that i'm i'm really huh, maybe maybe if it's a month mm. maybe yes but you know i'm really skeptical about i'm very very skeptical by the idea that maybe mm. you, maybe it would be extended to allow a general election but uh uh, to extend it, then extend it so it could be renegotiated. I'm extremely, I'm extremely skeptical about. Yeah. Um, so yes, yeah, so I, I mean, I think the, I think amending the, then if the, the, if the amendment doesn't go, I mean, my point with the amendment is that at that point everybody will already know how the numbers are looking yeah. to approve, to approve or not approve the withdrawal agreement, and there's obviously going to be. Big support for that amendment. We're seeing more and more. I mean, there's, there's certainly well, certainly well over a hundred now um, in fa- in favour have come out in favour of uh, MPs have come out in favour of people's a people's mm-hmm. vote. Um, the 
and we'll know that there are people who who vote against, who would vote against the motion if it's not amended. From both sides, you know, from mm. from from the RG side and the DUP, but also from uh, also from the Remain and people's people's vote side. Mm. So, looking at that for the for the MPs who are who are wavering and don't know what and don't know what to do about this, but don't want no deal. Mm. An amended motion is actually the way to guarantee that there's no that there's no no deal. Mm. An amended motion gets us out of no deal, and then if. If the EU27 did refuse, okay, the government would bring it back and Parliament, I guess, would have to pass it to avoid no deal. But if this, if this amendment can be made to pass and if people can see that this is, the, this is the way out of the impasse, otherwise it's going to be voted down and then we don't know what's going to, ha- we don't know what's going to happen. And it could, it could well lead to a people's vote, what comes out of that, elections, governments falling, what, what have you. It could well lead to a people's vote, but this would guarantee avoiding no deal. And this is why I think this is the message I think we need to get over to to wavering MPs that this get this does doesn't just get Parliament out of the shit. Mm. It actually gets the country out of the the shit by guaranteeing that there'll be no no deal. It is too late in the evening for me to fully digest what you just told me. <laughs> <laughs> it's all. Uh, it was the uh, it was Chris Mason, wasn't it? The BBC journalist who was um, filming <laughs> this morning, saying he ain't got the foggiest. And my brain well, is as foggy as can be today. Ac- I haven't got the foggiest. What's actually going to happen? Christ! <laughs> no, but also I'm trying to I'm trying to work my. I've, somewhere over the course of the last six six to nine months, I lost track of all this. <laughs> I, I was like, I, I can't I can't keep a track of all this. At one point, I was like, "Yeah, yeah, no, I'm on top of this. I know what I know what the options are. I know where we are with all of this. I know where the backstops are. I know what's going on with the, you know, somewhere I lost track of it all. I really shouldn't be doing this podcast at all." Well, I have to admit, I stopped listening for about a month after the financial financial settlement was agreed because I was yeah. like, "Oh, well, that's my area of expertise. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I can just read the headlines now." You know, <laughs> kind of a month yeah. later, you go, "What the hell's going on yeah. now? Yeah. Jesus!" Yeah. So um, I must say, I, I remain. Slightly befuddled by the British parliamentary system and that whole side of it and, and, and how the mechanics of it work and where... I mean, I'm st- it's still a little bit arcane to me and, I mean, I'll wake up one morning and suddenly there'll be a referendum or something and it'll be, oh, wow, oh, great. But anyway, I'll, I'll take it, I'll take it. So in my nice simplistic work terms... Sorry, go on. Well, I think the really important thing to get over... I mean, so what's, what I think is going to happen now, what, what quite a few people think is going to happen, and I, I agree with them, some very good uh, commentators, is we're going we're gonna to have an odd moment here where uh, Ian Dunn wrote a great article about this. Oh, God, sorry, I shouldn't be promoing. <laughs> what <laughs> I'm not? <laughs> I think you our elders and be- Our elders and betters. Um, don't know about elder, but... but you, <laughs> you wrote this very good article about how uh, you know, suddenly R- Remain is going to be in an unholy alliance with the ERG. And actually, EU27, li- remember, this is going to be EU27's agreement. They're going to take ownership of this. Mm. And they're going, to push for, they're going to push massively for Parliament yeah. to, agree with, to agree to this. And they're going to give the impression, yes. as will May, that the only options are to agree this or, the, or, for, the, oh, yeah, or, or, or for there to be no deal. I so wait, I mean, wait. Actually, somebody else said that. Oh, but, quite, quite a few people haven't that. No, it's I, I absolutely think. right. Of course, of course, it's right. It's going to be the EU's agreement too. Of course, and and yeah. and 
and in criticizing the agreement, we'll be criticizing the U27's agreement that they want to be that they want want actively to be approved, while simultaneously trying to keep them on board for a, yeah. for an extension for a referendum if we can if we can get yeah. that. No, it's going to so be it's going to be one. so it is, it is going to be a really tricky one. And I mean, I'm not hugely comfortable just arguing, you know, just vote down the just vote down the the, the withdrawal agreement. I mean, I think you have to criticize the withdrawal agreement and you have to come, I mean, we know that May will compare it to, exclusively to no deal and it, sh- it, it should be, it has to be compared to membership is the thing that it has yeah. to be compa- compared exactly. to. And I don't think the parliament should approve a bad deal and it will be a bad deal. On the other hand, I think the, the first route, the, the first route and best route is, uh, is to rally support for this amendment. And because it lays... You can't say that those are the only two options if you can amend the motion to give another option. Mm. It's, it's simply not true that those are the only two, those are the only two options. Yeah. What might be significant in this and what's worth watching is the court case on whether Article 50 is uh, unilaterally revocable as well because mm. that, mm. that can change the landscape a bit. Mm. Because again, this proves, be, <laughs> if, if it is found to be revocable unilaterally, this proves beyond doubt that this deal or no deal is a lie, that those aren't, there isn't a binary option there. And we, so we mustn't accept that there's a binary option. Amen. Yeah. Steve, let's wrap up. Yeah. <laughs> I think we have uh, certainly exhausted my critical faculties this evening. Well, we've managed to talk for half an hour on a subject when neither of us know what the fuck's going to happen. So, you know, that's not bad value. It's good podcasting. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, th- I think, I think, I think, um, I think it's, it's all very interesting, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, have you gone to autopilot or something? Yeah, I have. <laughs> that was like, a, that was a, like a, a meeting you hadn't, where you hadn't understood the it's, presentation. <laughs> it's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Moldo. Moldovan water supply. It's all very interesting, yes. isn't it? <laughs> Help. I have to say something intelligent at this point. What am I going to say? Fucking hell. As somebody who's given presentations on obscure subjects, I know that. I know that when I you see it. You know that. <laughs> yeah. You smelled that a mile away. Yeah. Yeah. You, you busted. I've been busted. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm... Yeah. Look, I think. Look, I think. I think. Look, well, I think what what it is that we're that everything's in play. Everything's in play now. Yeah. Um, particularly when we actually see the when we actually see the withdrawal agreement, um, it's actually in play in Parliament. Parliament really has the choice of to of, as to to whether to let this fucking catastrophe happen or not. Yeah. And ultimately, ultimately, it is up to Parliament, um, and Parliament needs to gird its loins. And um, and and do its and do its do its job here, and not allow either a deal that's bad for the UK, which it will be, or uh, a no deal scenario to happen. And and as we know, there's probably only one real way out of that. That's that's people's vote. Yeah, but Parliament has to do its job and make that happen. And will it? Mm. Well. I remain. Well, I think that. Well, I think there's more chance. There's more chance now. Of, I'm more optimistic about Parliament doing this and having the numbers than I was a month or two ago. 
I mean, particularly, but well, particularly Joe Johnson. Yeah, I think this. I think this is actually really, this is actually really significant. Mm. And people who are wa- people who are wavering see a rising star. It's interesting, isn't it? It's, say, it's, it's, I'm not, not going to stand for this. I he, yeah. he could have kept his head down, and he's he's, he's he could have he's gone along. And he said, "No, I can't do up. it. I he's can't do up. this." He's yeah, followed exactly. up with uh, with articles. He's followed up. He was at the big um, Best for Britain event this evening. Um, and it's been interesting. It's that is an that is an actually quite an interesting development because um, we've all along been saying, well, what we need is we need some some person. We need some person behind which people can rally. We need some kind of figurehead. We need some kind of Macron figure mm-hmm. to to emerge. You know, young, charismatic, blah blah blah. Who the fuck would have thought it would be Boris Johnson's <laughs> yeah, brother? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but it gives, but it gives people. We know, we know how it works. It gives, pe- it gives people, it gives people comfort. Nobody wants to be yeah. the one yeah. that yeah. does this. No, but it gives people comfort. People, people are much happier moving in, moving in packs. You yes, know? yes. And and we've seen this. You know, we see this with the Tory rebels as well. You know, and uh, the, you know, if if Labour won't rebel, they won't. Hmm. You know they'll only do it if it's they they'll only do it if there's a real chance of success if they think they've got the numbers, mm. um, and this you know this shows somebody who's articul- articulate and in in his party pretty well respected. Yeah, and who has you know I I really would find it very difficult to fault much of what he said in his um, excellent excellent blog. Um, that he wrote, that he published on his... Uh... Well, I don't like the term vassalage, mainly because I think it's a fucking insult to Turkey and Norway, isn't it? I mean, I, I don't think that, I don't think it's particular, Look, particularly, mean, particularly helpful language, Well, I don't have a particular honest, problem with, well, I don't have a particular problem with the vocabulary, but the print, but the concept is one that I've been banging, I mean, I've been banging my drum about that for, for, for months. I mean, I, I, I do think it's democratic. I, the, the phrase I've always been using is democratically outrageous. And I do think it's democratically outrageous. We would simply be taking laws on, of which we had no influence and no control. And I, th- I do think that's democratically outrageous. And I've always yeah, been no, somebody no. who is, is a great advocate for European democracy. And this is what we going, going back to what we were discussing right at the top of the podcast. You know, I think that the EU does have a high degree of democratic accountability and has carefully evolved mm. its, its institutions in a democratic direction. And I always objected greatly to those people who, um, I think, scandalously pretended that the EU was some kind of um, uh, dictatorial, totalitarian, jackbooted state, uh, super state, um, when it couldn't be further from the truth. However, when when we put ourselves into a position where all those democratic controls and accountabilities are removed by our own will, and yet we still have to take on the rules that the other 27 are making – I mean, that's, that's, that's outrageous democratically. And if you want to call it vassalage or vassaldom, well, you can call it whatever you like. It, it is what it is, and I don't like it. So I agreed with them very much. Boom. Yeah. There you is, go. I just, no, I just think it's quite, I think it's quite insulting to the other countries that have chosen this. I mean, they've... they've no, they've I, chosen, I don't think they've, it is. They've, they've, chosen, they've chosen it. Them. And if you yeah. talk to people in those countries, I mean, that's I've got not, many friends in Norway who are federalists and who feel exactly the same way about it. But that's, that's not true of Turkey on the custom, customs union. I mean, there's, well, it's there's, not quite the same, is it? It's not, no, it's the, not. The, no, it's, it's really not. It's really not. It's really not the same. So, but in I Switzerland that, I think, and, and, and in Switzerland and and in Norway, you will find people who feel the same way about it. Yeah, and I think they're but, right. But, uh, but yeah, but I think I think the, the that's not what's <laughs> that's not what we're heading towards here. I mean, 
um, it, we're, we're really talking about customs unions, and uh, I think the, the the fact that there are customs unions springing up around the world is, you know, proof that it's not. You I, know. you know what, you know, I, we we are are we not really moving towards an effective, um, effectively shadowing the single market though? I mean, that's realistically, that's what this would means, surely. And we'll talk about that next week. I guess we will. <laughs> that's a very good thing to talk about next week. Yeah. When we, no, no, when we feel, when we've when, hopefully when we seen found it. out a bit more about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would be a very good thing to talk about next week. Who, what was Definitely. it that, um, was it Andrew Jenkins or, Maybe it was Suzanne Evans, one of, <sighs> one of the ladies, one of the ladies of Brexit said something um, on on a, on a on a TV program this week, along the lines of, um, "It's fine, we'll just simply take on all their rules." Oh, Suzanne Evans, yeah, I, yeah, she was talking to uh, she was on LBC with yeah uh, with Ian Dunn, wasn't it? And with, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, and Andrew Donnis yeah, and, and I, Kate. String him up, string him up in the board and yeah. Yeah. But you've really got to ask yourself, what, what, why, why do you want what the to take the point? control um, if you're simply going to follow the rules that are made by the people? Ah, but this is the. I mean, this is where I think this is where I think at E27 need to be very, very careful um, because I think there are a very large number of Brexiters who will, in fact, shrug their shoulders and go, we'll just fucking rip it up afterwards, don't worry. Let's do it. We'll just rip it up afterwards. We'll fuck it up later. Don't worry. Mm. Well, I think I think the, they're very conscious of that, aren't they? Yeah. I think I'm that's why they want it all tied down. And that's the importance of cabinet... There we go. That's the importance of cab- cabinet agreement for the U27 right there, actually. Yeah, but I don't think that... I, well, I wonder, can you even trust this cabinet? Certainly, but but if um, if the four or five who we know think like that walk out, um, and the rest of cabinet agrees, then maybe that that would give EU twenty seven more comfort. Mm. I don't know. Well, we'll find out tomorrow. By the time absolutely you hear this podcast, dear listener, you will know. Probably, yeah. we should have said at the beginning this is being recorded on Tuesday. <laughs> on Tuesday. <laughs> We did say during it. We gave, we gave a timestamp during it, didn't we? Yeah. yeah. So, all right. Um, listen, we should wrap up. Um, absolutely. It's been really well, great to have you back, Steve. Been a good. It's chat. been really nice to be back. I didn't think I didn't yeah. know if uh, my um, uh, regime of medicaments would see me through the whole hour. Well, they've seen you through better than my out. energy levels have. My energy levels have somehow gone off a cliff. Um, so. Well, I was in bed until three today, so that probably helped. Oh, well, that will help. <laughs> right. Brilliant. Let's wrap well, up. thank you very much for listening, and um, we probably haven't enlightened you very much, um, but I hope, hopefully it's comforting to know that we don't fucking know what's going to happen yeah. either. <laughs> so, good night, everybody. Good night, everyone. Good night, Chris. Good night, Steve. Good night.